When David Bowie's first album in 1967 failed to be a commercial success, his manager, Kenneth Pitt, commissioned a promotional film that was meant to get his name and work out to a broader audience. The film itself became too costly and didn't see a public release until 1984. But the song Bowie recorded for the film turned his entire career around. Space Oddity, the fictional tale of astronaut Major Tom, was demoed in early 1969, with the album version being rushed to record in anticipation of the Apollo 11 moon landing. Although the BBC used the single as background music for their coverage of the landing, the track sold poorly in the UK and was banned from radio play in the US. A Top of the Pops performance helped the track break ground in the UK, but it wouldn't be until 1972 that the success of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars would enable a reissue of Space Oddity to take the US by storm. Space Oddity became a commercial success and a massive part of Bowie's career, with the song's title becoming the official name for his second album upon its reissue in 1972. Although Space Oddity skyrocketed Bowie's career, it would not save him from further commercial failures. The Berlin Trilogy, Bowie's three albums Low, Heroes, and Lodger, recorded from 1977 to 1979, were a massive artistic breakthrough for him and earned him critical acclaim during their releases. However, they did not earn him much else. Thus, Bowie's 1980 album Scary Monsters and Super Creeps aimed to be a commercial success. Perhaps it was for this very reason that the lead single off the album is a song that directly addresses one of his earliest breakthroughs and what some may consider his first of many personas, Space Oddity and Major Tom. The single became Bowie's second number one UK hit, following directly in the footsteps of Space Oddity and paving the way for the album's success. The song has become a pillar of the Bowie canon and of British pop culture as the song's title became the title of the spin-off series to the BBC's 2006 series Life on Mars. That's right, we're talking Ashes to Ashes by David Bowie on Bowie Me. Ashes to ash and fun to fucking. We know Major Tom's a junkie Strung out in heaven's mind Hitting at all time That's right, it's Bowie Me, the only podcast that compares famous Bowie songs to their many cover versions to find out which one is a junkie. I'm your host, as always, The Snake, joined by my sordid co-host... Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger, are you Googling something over there? I am Googling something, but it's fine. Are you fact-checking me, bro? No, I'm not fact-checking you. I just remembered I forgot to look up the ashes-to-ashes, dust-to-dust line. Oh, it's from the uh, Christian Book of Common yeah. Prayer. So it's, I believe it's a funeral verse. Uh, we therefore prayer. commit this body to the ground, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Ensure and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal life. Slightly wide, longer excerpt. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. Um, th- that's it. It's about death. We'll tuck that away for now. Alex, yep. how you doing? How am I doing? Uh, I'm doing fine. Doing fine. Normal things are happening. Nothing too exciting. <laughs> <laughs> that the raised voice on fine, coupled by normal things are happening. You know, leads me to believe the opposite. Alex. No, nothing. I I, I uh, am, am almost done work on my theremin cabinet. Fuck yeah! I just need to do all the like painting and staining of it, but it's mostly together. It's pretty exciting. That is exciting stuff. Yeah. Um, excited for you to get that theremin in play. Uh, I wish there was a Bowie song I could name offhand that had theremin in it, because I'd say, hey, play that for us. It's Bowie me, and you'd say, I can't do that yet. The box isn't ready. But it's not even, it's not even in the same house as me. Damn. Fair enough. Um, but here's the thing, Alex. We're not here to talk about theremins as much as I love them. It's, it's the final week of Bowie me already. It feels it like it's gone by. 
Yeah, it, it's weird because it it um like we start before like January, January, right? Like it's for yeah. January, but we start December because we're you know recording ahead. So yeah, it is it is strange. It feels like there should be more. Yeah, and we'll be celebrating all month long in our own special ways, primarily listening to David Bowie. It's true. But yeah, this is the the final episode. Alex, speaking of celebrating David Bowie, they just released his uh like unreleased two was it early 2000 album Toy? Yeah, Box, it toy? was um post hours I think and pre um the next one. Uh what's after hours is it Heathen? Heathen, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um which I I haven't listened to it yet. I okay. forgot about it. I was going to do it this week. I completely forgot. Um, hey, we get I busy can, here on the show. I was, I was, yeah, just just real busy in 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 here, you know. Theremins don't make themselves, people. It's true, and um, I, I I sampled it a little bit. It sounds mm-hmm. like you know, it sounds similar to ours in some ways. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> sounds like it's Bowie from that era. Yeah, which uh, is hit or miss. I it's definitely not his worst stuff, but some of it is just kind of middling. Yeah. But I also think he's got a lot of great ones from that. I like yeah, a lot I of really, stuff on Heathen. I really like Heathen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although I've never really got into Hours. Yeah, Hours was tougher. To Maybe if I finally play Omicron, the Nomad Soul. That might be what it's missing. I'll, it I'll gain some appreciation for the songs that were It's a real soundtrack video album. Game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty good album, though. It's fun. It sounds like David Bowie having a good time, if nothing else. And I think it's tough to get new Bowie one because it's posthumous, and also the album he released finally was Black Star, which is such a like a closer piece, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it is tough to follow that. Mm-hmm. As much as I mean, if you look at the the David Bowie Spotify page, there is a lot of stuff that's released since then. Just because I assume because he passed away, and they're just like throwing stuff out. Yeah, the amount of live material demos and, and demos, editions, extended and... dance cuts, this and that. Yeah, all that good stuff. All that good stuff, which is, uh, I mean, it's sad that's all we'll ever get from here on out, but it's also nice to see some of that stuff, because Big Bowie Head's here. But yeah. really, Alex, we're here to talk about one of his biggest hits, again. We're always talking about his biggest hits on this show, but... Not, not last week. Not last but, week, I guess, you, yeah, Alabama song. Or the week before that. Yeah, and and loving the... So you know what? We're talking about the one big hit this month. Uh, Ashes to Ashes. Alex, tell me about your relationship to this song. Um, I got Scary Monsters and Super Creeps, the CD. Yes. At a time in my life when I was listening to a lot of CDs because I was like driving a lot. Hell yeah. And that was just, you know, there was a CD player in my car. Um, So I've listened to this album a ton. And this song is no different. Yeah, I've listened. I've, I've. This is just this and like heroes were like just constantly playing pretty much. Hell yeah. So yeah, I'm very familiar with this song, and uh, I know about it. Like you quoted it to me like before that, and you told me that it was about Major Tom, so I knew that going in and so Okay, yeah. But this is kind of a weird like if you listen to the songs on Heroes, which mm-hmm. was uh you know, related to this because it's kind of similar era, um mm-hmm. a lot of the lyrics are 
kind of muddled and because as I understand the way they did it was he was kind of just making vocalizations in the studio when they were first recording and then they would put lyrics to that melody that right that that is what I read on like the scary monsters Wikipedia page it said in comparison to his Berlin's trilogy this stuff was like written down ahead of time yeah and this is not that but there's still that quality of like kind of like he's mumbling sometimes so there's some words that sort of I caught those words this time. Yeah. I think I know exactly the part you're talking about. Well, I was trying to write down what I thought he said, and it turns out I got most of them. But, like, I didn't, like, you you called me sorted before, but I never heard sorted. But, I don't know. That's just not a word I jump to. Yeah, it's not a common word, and I think that's why I picked it out to call you that, because it's fun and exciting that it's in this. But, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about the lyrics later, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess for my part, this song is one of those ones that kind of came up early in my like Bowie search because I was probably I was looking at, like music videos and shit. And of course, Ashes to Ashes is going to come up. And so I watched that and then, you know, yeah, you hear some of the first lyrics and you go, oh, my God, it's about Major Tom. Uh, or at least that's what you think. It's, it, it is and is more about, I think, David Bowie himself. But of course, we're talking about David Bowie, the man of a thousand personas. Yeah. So, kind of the same thing. Um, yeah, an exciting one to find, and then I, I didn't hear the album until you got the CD and, of course, lent it to me. Uh, what a great album. Yeah, Scary front to back, masters. man. Front to back, so good. I have it actually on vinyl. I got it, I think I got it pretty cheap, too. Like, not a like not a new reissue, like an old used one. That's always nice. It's like, the new ones are cool, and they usually make them, like, heavier, but the old ones mm-hmm. you can get for, like, $2. <laughs> Exactly, and that's the life I'm trying to live yeah. is the $2 vinyl. I'm like, they're still fine. They're just not oh, as yeah. shiny. Exactly. I yeah, guess the other just, thing about mm-hmm. the album... Sorry, I kind of interrupted you. Was there something... No, yeah, I was I was just going to be like, oh, okay. what a great album. Right. So, the other thing about the album that I've always heard, it was kind of his like attempt to um, retire the idea of the David Bowie character. Because mm. up until this point, he'd always been a character of some kind, I guess, depending on how you think of the Berlin trilogy. Yeah. Uh, but that's what I've always heard, is like he was t- thinking about the characters again, but also like moving on from that idea of constantly having a persona. Yeah, I think that idea is present in this song. And while, I mean, in, in this song and in this album, and especially like not only dealing with his personas, but also his excessive drug use. Uh, which, of course, comes up in this piece particularly, which I think maybe defined his uh, his Berlin trilogy more than any one persona would have. I guess he had the Thin White... Was the Thin White Duke during that time? It was, like, right before that. Right before that, right, because that's uh, Station to Station. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so dealing with that, and then also dealing with his... Uh, the end of his... or the, the impending end of his first marriage. True. Because one of the lines on Up the Hill Backwards, I, and I just found this doing some some browsing of the album pages, I'm Okay, You're So So, which is pulled from a like a marriage help book called I'm Okay, You're Okay. Oh, yeah, there's a couple little references like that. Like, there are lines I would look up and then be like, this is actually like a reference to this thing Franz Kafka wrote. If it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, and this we're going to get cool some line. of that on this as well, yeah, not Kafka. But there is one line that is a reference, and I guess let's open this up with a quote because he kind of explains that he talks about it in a lot of different ways. But he calls this uh, a uh, nursery rhyme. He calls this song. Yeah, and I mean that's the main line. 
So mm-hmm. one, it comes from that like hymn from the Book of Common Prayer, the ashes to ashes, yeah. dust to dust. Uh, but also the way he sings, what he sings in the chorus mm-hmm. is, you know, like a short, quick rhyme. Yeah. And he pulls a line from another, I think, like a very old nursery rhyme for the, the sort of ending refrain. Um, a lot of the song is looking backwards, both in terms of what it references. I guess you can't reference the future. So, yeah, yeah but it like he's pulling from Buddy Holly as well. So I'm going to open with a, a quote from a 2003 interview where he explains that the song Inchworm, sung by Danny Kaye in the 1952 movie uh, Hans Christian Andersen, was a big influence on Ashes to Ashes. He says, I loved it as a kid and it stayed with me forever. I kept going back to it. You wouldn't believe the amount of my songs that have sort of spun off that one song. Not that you'd really recognize it. Something like Ashes to Ashes wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been for Inchworm. There's a child's nursery rhyme element in it and there's something so sad and mournful and poignant about it kept bringing me back to those feelings of those pure thoughts of sadness that you have as a child and how they're so identifiable even when you're an adult. There's a connection that can be made between a somewhat lost five-year-old and feeling a little abandoned and having the same feeling when you're in your 20s. And it was that song that did that for me. Um, and I'm going to read another. I'm just going to kind of get the quotes from him out of the way to set up our, yeah, our groundwork here. So 1990, and this talks to your, uh, your point about the personas. He acknowledges Ashes to Ashes as a confrontation of his past. He says, you have to accommodate your past with your persona. You have to understand why you went through them. You cannot just ignore them to put them out of your mind or pretend they didn't happen or just say, oh, I was different then. So it really is him grappling with the past and using sort of this idea of like a, a, far, a further past, child's nursery rhymes and like life as a child to kind of structure his confrontation with it. Is what I think is going on here, or at least that's your baseline. But mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. let's get into it, Alex. Do you remember a guy that's been in such an early song? I've heard a rumor from Ground Control. Oh no, don't say it's true. They got a message from the Action Man. Let's talk about just that part first, because basically that whole thing is ripped from Peggy Sue Got Married, a uh, Buddy Holly song. Just the part about the rumor? We talked about that before, right? Um, About the rumor? There was another song where it was talking about a rumor, where it's like, oh, I, I don't, like, did this happen? Maybe, I don't know. Like, I just heard a rumor. You I just know? heard a rumor, yeah. Was, what song was that? I can't um, remember now. Shit. I don't know. Anyway. But I will tell you this. So, yeah, the even the... Do you remember a guy that's been in such an early song? Because in the chorus of that song, of Pegasus Who Got Married, Buddy Holly says, do you recall a girl who's been in nearly every song? Um, I've heard a rumor is also from it. It's I heard a rumor from a friend in that one. And even the oh no is taken from a backup, a uh, backing vocal on that song. On that song? Eh, that's pretty cool. So that, that whole chunk, basically, except for they got a message from the action man, is... Just a is big like, Peggy Sue Got Married reference? Yeah. Which, of course, is sort of the end point of Buddy... I guess Buddy Holly's talking about this Peggy Sue character, who has been a recurring character in her song, and or in his songs, rather. And so then you come to David Bowie trying to put to bed his past, basically, uh, you know, decade in music. Mm-hmm. And he uses Buddy Holly's opening structure, at least, for that. Yeah, it's a fun reference. I also just like that idea of like very direct kind of, I guess, like a meta reference of like, hey, this is a song. Do you remember that other song? Like, yeah, it's very from 10 years ago or whatever. And especially because sequels in, in terms of songs are so rare. True. We've talked about a couple. Mm-hmm. We've talked about, I mean, uh, we, we've talked about Jesse's Girl 2. That's one. Yeah. 
That's one very, very explicit sequel. Um, and, and very much a novelty song, right? True. It's like True, but also like response songs and things we talked about a little bit. Yeah, we've like talked da- about a little bit. Me Henry and things like that. That's right. But yeah, it doesn't happen that often. Mm-hmm. At least not explicitly. It, in some way, you could probably say most songs are sequels in that they take from other songs. But that's probably right. a bit of a stretch. That is a bit of a stretch. But it's, it's very <laughs> rare that an artist goes like, hey... This is, you know, it's Space Oddity 2, basically. <laughs> but here we have that. Um, and they got a message from the Action Man. So, apparently Action Man is, like, UK G.I. Joe. Yeah, just, like, little action figures. I don't know if it's literally G.I. Joe. Like, the, the brand name of what G.I. Joe was in America. Right, like Or if it's just a Hero very Turtles. similar thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or if it's just a very similar thing. Um... But, yeah, I mean, another reference to, like, like you were saying before, like the young part of your life from before the problems, sort of inf- perhaps informing the, the way you move away from those problems. Mm-hmm. And I, I do like something about just calling Major Tom the Action Man. Yeah, because really, I didn't know what Action Man was as a brand, but it just sounds like I got a message from the Action Man where they did. It's like... Just seems like a kind of a Bowieism, you know? Yeah. He's, he's busy talking about funky things and tricky things and like the action man. It just sounds like a vague character. And in terms of like, like we'll talk about this more later, but he talks about like arch characters. Is arch the right mm-hmm. word? Like broad, broad recurring, like, um, it, and that, that comes up in the music video is what I'm trying to say. Right. These, um, uh, Pierrot. Fuck, what would the word would that be? But like, I guess templates for lack um, of a better word. Stock characters. Yeah. Like stock characters, these very classic, like yeah. oh yeah, we know these kind of uh characters. Because it, it that evokes that me. kind of mm-hmm. name, even though technically it's just a brand. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, well, we could talk all day about how David Bowie's a brilliant writer, but yeah, yeah. That, I think that's a brilliant line. I I really like it. Um and of course here's the message from the action man. I'm happy. Hope you're happy too. I've loved all I've needed to love. Sorted details following. Uh, and then, of course, those details are as follows. The shrieking of nothing is killing. Just pictures of Jap girls in synthesis. I really don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll get around to it. And I ain't got no money and I ain't got no hair. But I'm hoping to kick, but the planet is glowing. Glowing, 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 glowing. Yeah. Um, I mean, the quote's cool. Mm-hmm. I've always envisioned it as you know being from Major Tom, and original Major Tom was kind of like a hippie in space, just because David Bowie was a hippie and he was singing it, you know, so he was kind mm-hmm. of Major Tom. So the "I've loved all I've needed to love" strikes me as very much like the death of that like hippie ideology. Like right. we loved everything, but we did it all. We're done. We're good now. Yeah, love is over. <laughs> We're on the next thing, and I'll and yeah, describe more. I like sort of details following. Again, one of the lines I never really got, but you know, details following. Yeah, it's but like, talk sorted about it is now. quite as sorted is like dark and like it's sort of grotesque yeah, in a sense. It's like true. these awful things. And that was kind of the direction his life perhaps went in after the hippie stuff. Yeah, you I mean, know, it's even present in and... all the young dudes, which we talked about at the start of true. this month. Yeah, where it's like the the sixties were over, and then what followed was just you know, an apocalypse, basically. It was just desolation. It was not good times. Mm-hmm. 
so yeah, he's full up on love from the 60s, basically, from that time as Major Tom. And so here's what happened next. The shrieking of nothing is killing. I mean, again, he's in space, for one, if we take the literal Major Tom. Um, and of course, this feeling of emptiness is is both loud and painful, right? There's, there's a hollowness in those lines, right? Yeah. The shrieking of nothing. Shrieking of nothing. Kind of, a, you know, you got your contrast there. Mm-hmm. Now, Japanese women in synthesis. What, is, what does this mean, Alex? I don't know. I'm looking, I'm trying to look at the annotation. It's talking about how Japan, it says Japan was synthesizing American and British popular culture. But is that, is that, yeah, I don't think, I don't think that's what Bowie was getting what at. That, I mean, he was fairly popular in Japan as well, you know? That's true. Um, so, and he was, uh, interested in Japanese culture, as I For understand, sure, yeah. also. Um, this album opens with a, a Japanese woman singing and also closes with it. Um, but I don't know what that means in terms of this line. Yeah, um, I would say it might just be like, this is the space he's found himself in. I was just listening to uh, Loneliest Guy from uh, Reality. Mm-hmm. Or is it Luckiest Guy? I forget which one it's it is. Not, he's not the luckiest guy. He's not. Is that what he says? Yeah. He says, I'm not the loneliest not guy. The loneliest I'm guy. the luckiest guy. Yeah, I think guy, it's the loneliest guy. Yeah, because it plays sadly, so you know he's not actually lucky. But he talks about just having like pictures on his hard drive, which is, I imagine, pornographic images. Right. So I wonder if that's something similar here, like these pictures of women. Again, we're talking about like a sort of nothing void here. And he's grappling with his, his time in the 70s, which was, uh, you know, your, your typical despotic drug trip or. <laughs> Right. I guess that was the other thing I was thinking of was like Major Tom alone in the station, you know, in his capsule with just like pictures of women pasted on the walls. Right. Or or pinned on the whatever. Whatever you can do in a space capsule. Yeah. And he, I guess he is sort of like it's the shrieking of nothing and then we're describing all of the nothings. He has rep- crude representations right. of Japanese women. Um, and then of course he has no money and he has no hair. Which I feel like he did have hair, but this is the Major Tom character. This is the Major Tom character. And some, and then ingenious, they're like, hair is in heroin, which I don't think is accurate. I mean, he was never a heroin guy, I don't think. No, he wasn't. Um, he had, of course, tried it, but yeah, it wasn't like his primary drug of choice. He, and of course, he was hanging out with Iggy Pop a lot, which people bring up, but mm-hmm. he was more of a cocaine guy. But this is where, and we'll have to talk about the song a bit here, but during these parts you have an echoed spoken vocal of the, the sung lyrics. That's right. Do you know what he says? Because I couldn't figure yes. out what he said and no I one else it out. to be able I to. checked out a Bowie forum and then he it like it picked together for me. So he says and I'm trying to find where I laid the quote down. Um, he says, no everlasting aesthetic is the first part. So that which comes immediately after the yeah, no, no everlasting aesthetic Songs that please the ear can leave the mind blown. No everlasting aesthetic. Songs that please the ear can leave the mind blown. And I'm hoping to kick, but the planet is glowing, glowing, glowing. Sorry, I'll, I'll let you have space to listen to hear that. No, I mean, I, I listened to it a bunch yesterday. I just couldn't make out what the words were. I couldn't either, but I found a, a subreddit post, and they're like, it's this. And I was like, okay, let's see if that fits. And it does. Uh... And, of course, the line, no everlasting aesthetic itself, 
What a line to leave buried in the rest of the song, because yeah. I think that <laughs> that is so like directly tied to him. To the idea of this change over time. Yeah. And constantly trying different things. And... Mm-hmm. <sighs> interesting. Interesting yeah. line. An interesting line. Uh, yeah, to like have there, but not like barely audible. Yeah, not in any like lyric notations. And then, so, but I'm hoping to kick, but the planet is glowing. Uh, people think this is about kicking drugs, which I, I'd say that's probably, probably the most fair analysis. Yeah, I mean, the two things with the kick I can think of are kicking the habit and kicking the bucket. Mm, yeah, I suppose um, that's true as well. And the planet being glowing. I mean, if it is drugs, I, I, want, I want to quit, but, like, everything glows if I don't, you know? So, like, I right. can't, you know? That's right. And also, if you're wanting to kill yourself, but the planet has this alluring glow. There's something. Yeah. I think it's probably the drugs, because that, that plays more into the narrative of, like, David Bowie's life at the time. Yeah. But I think maybe we are supposed to pick up on that kick the bucket idea as it, it well, be because both, we, yeah. we move to the chorus, which is, of course, Ashes to Ashes, which we talked about before even talking about the lyrics, is like a funeral. It prayer. is about death. Yeah. Yeah. So coming into that chorus now, ashes to ashes, funk to funky. We know Major Tom's a junkie, strung out in heaven's highs, hitting an all-time low. Good juxtaposition, strung out, makes him high, but yeah. he's actually low because of it. I know, this one's simple, easy. It tells you everything you need to know. Like, yeah, and it's got the rhyme, too. Well, I mean, we talked about the rhyme before. That's more the end, but, mm-hmm. you know, I guess it's just that death reference. And then funk yeah. to funky... There was some in-depth analysis of like how David Bowie maybe thinks that musical genres aren't as good as they used to be or something, but right. I feel like that's projecting. Like I don't think that is that relevant, or maybe think, it is because he did tend to get bored of things. Yeah, I think that's maybe funky said, is it? also a used word to describe bad odors, right? Something smells funky. True. Or funk is a, a genre known to be quite alive and and vibrant, and we're we're talking about also you know, David Bowie's past ten years. He's gone from funk to funky. He's basically from live to dead. Oh yeah, I guess so. Feel that's his progression. Because and it ties with him talking about how he's and that's in the next verse. Never doing anything good or bad. He's got a pretty low opinion of a lot of his earlier work, and you even see that during the 70s like when he was doing diamond dogs he's like this is the last rock album i'll do rock and roll is passe like whatever he said right he's been known to shit on his previous personas a lot throughout the years not just at this point that's true that's true so i think he maybe is in that is saying that there's a bit of a maybe it could be a rod of genres it could just be his own personal look at his music that he's yeah. so short-lived you know, it went from being funk to being something that people were listening to just being to being smelly garbage to being funky. Yeah, and that would kind of play into basically what he did for the next 10 years, give or take. His, mm-hmm. I mean, at least of his next three albums, two of them was a lot of hands-off, you know, letting other people do stuff before he kind of got back into it in the 90s, early 90s. That's right, yeah. But I also think funk to funky is just also fun to say and True. rhymes with junkie. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's that. Yeah. Yeah. It's strung out in heaven's high. Not only is he high on drugs, but he's also high in space. Mm-hmm. Which, as far as we know, is the heavens, right? Yeah. Is he still in space? I assume so. He's not on Earth. 
Because they got a message from him. Oh, true. I've always imagined him drifting in space and also pulling in the imagery of the music video, which I guess he's not really Major Tom in that. He's actually a clown dressed to look like Mime Pierrot, (laughs) which we'll talk about more because that also connects to Bowie's past as a mime. I guess I've said everything that needs to be said there. But... (laughs) I've, I pictured him landing basically on like Mars or something has always been my, and maybe that's cause I'm also tying it to life on Mars subconsciously. True. Or even, uh, like the, the landscape looks very similar to like the man who fell to earth when they're in this, the, the outer space, like the alien planet scenes. Yeah. So there's maybe a connection there as well. And the, yeah, the, uh, the, yeah, I suppose so. The, it's a very desert landscape. In, yeah. Uh, the man who felt her. Yeah, I guess but I'm yeah, just they, thinking of like the. I mean, there's sand. One's a beach and one's a desert, but. Hmm. Yeah, I've always interpreted it as Major Tom being on another planet and then finally being able to like get a signal, right? And then it's it's been so long that he just is like, "Hey, I'm I'm happy. Hope you're happy too." Here's here's but some we'll shit that happened to me. We'll talk about. Sorry. The, we'll talk the about that soon enough. Soon enough. But more. first, we got to talk about verse two. Time yeah. and again, I tell myself, "I'll stay clean tonight." But the little green wheels. Are following me. Oh no, not again. Yeah, this one I didn't get, but according to this comment, um, it's quite simple. I, I was I thought like he says wheels, but I was like, it can't be wheels. It's gotta be like I always thought it was men. I always thought it was men, even though it doesn't sound like he says men if you listen no. to it. No. But I was yeah, like, it's gotta you know, be little green men. Probably sounds weird, yeah. Because then it's like it's like the dream police, you know? Yeah. Like the little the little, they live inside of my head. Exactly. The little men following you or whatever. Did they say yeah, that in yeah. that song? I'm blanking now. But I always assumed it was that. Yeah. Yeah. So are you looking at the comment that says it's yeah. about dollar bills? Apparently. I think that's bullshit. Okay. I, I've never and heard I, of that before. Because, and the only reason I think that is bullshit, I think it's a, oh, I think it's functional, but I think in terms of everything else we've read... It's a lot of references to art more than it is references to, like, direct references to actions of doing drugs. It's references to nursery rhymes and old action figures, Buddy Holly. This is the realm of this song, right? So, apparently, there is a, a Dadaist poem by uh, writer Kurt Schwitters. The poem is called An Anna Bloom in, in 1919. Right, it's called An Anna Bloom, I think, and it was released in 1919. And Bowie was big into the the sort of Dada movement in the this, the 1977, mm-hmm. which would have been before this. Uh, this Little Green Wheels is a line from that song, and I wish I had written down the quote here, but I apparently didn't think that was necessary. Um, but it, it's a it's a direct reference, I think, to this line. Oh, so I'm gonna have and to look up now. What does the line mean? Honestly. Like looking it up, it doesn't really. True. If it's Dada, yeah. The point is that it doesn't mean anything, right? Exactly. (laughs) The most famous literature of Green Wheels is a line from poetry by Dada, fellow traveler. Red is the color of her green wheels. It's the line. Published in 1919. So that's an Anna Bloom, is the poem. Published in 1919. Red is the color of her green wheels. Right. So it could just be a reference to like. The idea of meaninglessness or emptiness? Yeah, it's like this this nonsense is following me. Like yeah. it's <laughs> And then and, Oh no, not again, which I assume is kind of a a reference to it's not clean tonight. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe. yeah, because he's then of course stuck with yeah. a valuable friend. I'm happy, hope you're happy too. One flash of light, but no smoking pistol. 
Yeah, which is a cool line. And I mean, the flash of light seems to be a reference to drug use. Perhaps. Yeah, people seem to suggest that the no smoking pistol means he didn't use a pipe. Again, they're they're, they're jumping back to heroin with this because they think stuck with a valuable friend right, is like sticking with a needle. Sticking with a needle. I'm happy. Hope you're happy too. One flash of light, but no smoking pistol. Um, I wonder, and this might be me stretching, but if the flash of light is like, you know, the sense of euphoria or or you know some high, but with no actual reason to feel that way, no smoking pistol. See, there's no uh, no physical evidence of any reason to feel good. No actual right euphoria, but no, yeah, nothing nothing made you feel that way. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the I guess a substance the drugs did, did, but but there's no actual reason to feel good. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the the smoking gun is sort of a a um, classic evidence cliche. Right? Yeah, referring to evidence. So there's no evidence that I that there should be anything good happening. But mm-hmm. yeah, and there will of course be that. no evidence of this flash of light. This even this feeling of euphoria is going to go. Yeah. I'd say, yeah, that's my best interpretation. I'm, of course, the valuable friend is drugs, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I think so. There were some other ideas that it might be like Iggy, Iggy Pop, Pop. But I, I don't know. Yeah. He's I talking think about being stuck with it. And I feel like Iggy Pop was just like an actual friend. He wouldn't be like, oh, I'm stuck with this guy. Yeah. And I think when he's talking about trying to stay clean tonight. And then he's talking about the little green wheels, which I think might also... Wheels are cyclical, right? So he might be talking about the cycle there, too. But it might just be a straight reference to a Dada poem. Yeah. But uh, I'm stuck with a valuable friend. What makes a friend valuable, right? I think this friend has the literal value of being drugs. And to be stuck with them, because one, they're a friend because they make you high, but two, you're trying not to get high. So it's like... Yeah, but they're stuck. Together. Or, together. yeah, it's like addiction or something. Huh? And Major Tom only has pictures of Jap girls in synthesis. I shouldn't have said Jap girls. <laughs> Japanese women. So, like, I don't think he has real friends with him at the moment. I think it's he's purely in isolation with drugs. Yeah, yeah, I guess there is still the narrative to think about. Yeah. And not just David Bowie's life at the time, as we understand exactly. it. Exactly, as we understand it. Um... Another fun line. I've never done good things. I've never done bad things. I never did anything out of the blue. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa, whoa. Um, interesting line. I feel like very general. Could be interpreted in a lot of different ways. Um, you already said never done good, never done bad. Like he perhaps doesn't have a super high opinion of his previous output. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the line to me, like, oh, you could easily say nothing is good or bad. Nothing has intrinsic value. That's a mm-hmm. valid philosophical standpoint. Um, and then, uh, I don't know if that's what he's referencing here. <laughs> um, yeah. I never well, did anything a- out of the blue. Uh, I, I thought of this line when you were talking about how much of this song is referential. Mm-hmm. Right? So, David Bowie often is cited as like a very original artist who did a lot of different things, you know? But at the end of the day, all art is... You know, influenced by something and comes from somewhere. So if you are the creator, you can generally see that, you know? Where right, those yeah, influences. this is from so this, this is from that. Maybe it's a direct um, comment on that idea of like him being so out there. And he's like, well, nothing I did is totally original because I, I, I clearly took it from this and this and this and this. You know, it's not out of the blue. It's not out of nowhere. 
Right. Yeah. It's not, it's not from nothing. And so genius actually does a good job here in pulling a quote from an NME interview where he says, those three particular lines represent a continuing returning feeling of inadequacy over what I've done. I have a lot of reservations about that I've done. And as much as I don't feel much of it has any import at all. Hmm. I should have read that quote. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it was somewhere, but it's right there. And you kind of hit it on the head. I think your interpretation of I never did anything. It's weird because like there's a new genius thing. Mm-hmm. like new it looks new but like when i'm scrolling things like sometimes it doesn't work right is that happening for you that happens to me too because like i'll click a bit. thing and then it won't show up properly and i'll scroll down and like the lyrics will scroll down with me instead of the other thing mm-hmm. anyway it's just, been doing that for yeah, me for a bit a little, um a genius is up. a trash site in general and generally the insights are bad they've done an okay job on this song honestly which is pretty good oh there's a lot of quotes Mm -hmm. i also wonder i think your interpretation of i never did anything out of the blue is probably 100 percent correct i think again i'm thinking of major tom in space and i'm thinking of the blue as earth right not true so maybe he's like i never did anything in outer space like i'm not i'm a i'm a hack i'm a fraud again it it leads to the same conclusion it's like i'm not really all that good or all that yeah, much of not an believing you're responsible for your own accomplishments basically mm-hmm. which is so, not yeah, a great just, mindset in my no, opinion no it's not he just tucks that in here but of course someone who and, has held that mindset yeah it's not a great one no it's not a great it one do much and good it does it, it fits in pretty tightly with him talking about trying to stay clean and struggling with addiction because i think those sort of uh self-deprecating thoughts are part of that addiction process yeah, that kind of leads you back. It's part of the cycle. Mm-hmm. The green cycle. The green wheels. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Um, and then, of course, we finally get to our Franz Kafka reference. Um, there we are. Want an axe to break the ice? Want to come down right now? Um, this right. is a line taken from a letter by Franz Kafka. A book must be an ice axe to break the frozen seas inside us. Yeah, I don't know the context of that, uh, that quote. Really? But, I mean, just the imagery of, like, being stuck somewhere and, and needing to, like, break through it somehow. Like, mm-hmm. he wants to come down. He's been talking about being high, but then he's like, oh, I don't want to be this anymore. Uh, yeah, exactly. I want to, but, like, you can't just become sober, you know? It takes time. You have to wait it out. Mm-hmm. So, but he, yeah. So, That's feeling yeah, I- of, like, clearly before, he's like, oh, I want to stay clean. Oh, it doesn't work out. Does the drugs anyway. And then it's, it's just like... Spends that time like wanting to not be, not be inebriated anymore. Exactly, he's looking for like an exterior force, possibly a book. Maybe it's an appeal to logic to sort of break yeah. his cycle, just like and something sober him like immediately. He's looking for outside influence, and of course, this song is still in the realm of Major Tom, who is in isolation. Where do you get that axe? Yeah, it's in space. There are no axes in, in space. space. No one Ice. can give you an axe. No one can. Um, and then we get the chorus again. And then we follow that with the, uh, the sing-song nursery rhyme outro. My mom said to get things done, you better not mess with Major Tom. Yeah, which like generally pretty well, uh, pretty successfully evokes that nursery rhyme idea of like just a thing. Like it's like a lesson being told through a rhyme, really. Mm-hmm. Don't mess and with Major Tom. The original you version of that. Done. Let me see here. I gotta fucking. 
type in the word gypsy so I can find it. There we go. <laughs> My mother said that I should never should play with the gypsies in the wood is an actual nursery rhyme. A similar idea. Similar idea there. Most likely where we pulled it. Um, short and it rhymes, so it must be true. It must be true. <laughs> and that's, I think we've covered all of the, the references and the, the base idea of Bowie coming to terms with his past in Ashes to Ashes. Funk to funky. Funk to funky. We know Major Tom's a junkie. Yeah, that's the words. That's the words? What a hit, man. There's a what lot of a, stuff there. What a great, great piece of work. Mm-hmm. And this was one of those ones like coming this week. I was like, yeah, Ashes to Ashes. We all know Ashes to Ashes. And then you sit down with it and you're like, fucking, yeah, this is this is real smart stuff. This Bowie guy knows what he's doing. He's, yeah. It makes me wish I paid more attention to the poetry part of English language arts. I'll let you in on a little secret. I would have never taught you anything. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Our, our English program, in terms of I guess, how we deal with poetry, is so base. Yeah, I guess a more a better way of saying that is it makes me wish I had appreciated the idea of poetry and maybe maybe read a bit more of it. Yeah. I guess I, they can I, still I do that. Poetry tough. Still do too. that. Like That's true. I just, I, I know I tend to like, like, denser, more poetic lyrics a lot of the time, so. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's uh, what is the topic entry point? But uh, but off topic, we're gonna back on topic. We're talking about the music, man. The, fr- the, the music. friggin' music. music. I guess well, we we didn't really finish up that outro line. You better not mess with Major oh. Tom. Um, is he? Uh, is it, so? Is this kind of like David Bowie's own version of like his his own personal Christmas Carol, where in in this outro he's seeing his future if he doesn't like correct his path yeah maybe or maybe it's like just a, more of that like self-deprecation thing of like don't pay attention to me i'm not worth it yeah you better not it's it's, it's a sinkhole right there's nothing yeah. good in in major tom yeah something like that i think i think maybe there is some fear of being reduced to nothing but like a cautionary tale yeah and this is like pretty fair pretty early in his career so it may have just seemed like oh think you know his last three albums didn't do very well compared mm-hmm. to his previous ones he hadn't come back in the 80s to his like superstardom the future was uncertain anything could have happened at this point you know yeah. we know who david bowie is from several decades of his career but this was after one decade of his career you know so it could have yeah and whatever could have gone anywhere like- big whiplash right he went to from being huge 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 to just putting out art albums that inspired other people and they became more successful with in the late 70s <laughs> and then he comes out and that that's another thing that comes out i would love to talk about just this whole album because it really is just so pinpoint focused on this sort of flipping point in his life because there's a whole like seven minute track on here that's like a fuck you to gary newman <laughs> the yeah. here in my car guy <laughs> Seems, seems strange. It seems strange, but it is like, one, that's a killer song, and two, it's. I love that song so much. There's a lot of there's a lot of personal stuff going on, and I think this album more than you might expect from the name Scary Monsters and Super Creeps, which apparently itself is taken from a Kellogg's commercial. But also, just seems like it refers to David Bowie characters. Yeah, as well. Yeah. 
I guess it's, when things work on two levels. It's good stuff. It's let's better. talk about these instruments. Yeah, let's though, talk Alex, about some instruments. We will run long on this episode if we don't get it under control. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, what happens in this song? Uh, a lot of it is this like pretty funky bass line. Yeah, and like really plucking and, uh, that bass. Guitar, yeah, um, just going and like uh, it's another one. You know, you lay down the rhythm and then do some stuff over that. Uh, but it's pretty dense. There's a lot of stuff going on, and like there's some synthesizers and things. Yeah, um, I'm impressed at how much just small changes. Like he'll add in a big synth sustain, and then suddenly that's your like pre-chorus section or your latter half of the verse, right? Yeah. So it, it's it's just a small changes, and then if you listen, oh. It hasn't. The music hasn't changed that much, but it feels quite different. Yeah, the the energy has shifted dramatically with yeah. such small movements. It's very cool. So a big part of this is uh, Chuck Hammer, who is using right. a Roland GR five hundred guitar synthesizer. Guitar synthesizer, yeah. And even tied harmonizer and multiple analog tape delays. Yeah. So lots of just like layers of one thing playing, but being repeated. I also I don't think was there a guitar. Yeah, Carlos Alomar is on the track. Right, he's the rhythm guitar, but no, like, lead guitar. It's all the guitar synthesizer. Yeah, this is, like, guitar synthesizer and, like, surprisingly funky bass heavy. Yeah, also, I mean, I, I really like that, like, just the, the way the accents on the on the drums go. Like, they're on the two and then the and of the three, which... <laughs> Reminded me of Maps, but if you listen to Maps, it's shifted by, a be- like, half a beat oh, okay. from Maps. I did see but it's you similar to, maps. to Maps. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> that's interesting. Good, good uh, observation. Bah, 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 bah. Bah, so it's, it's like right. that, yeah. but, like, it shifted, it shifted back half a beat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, that rhythm guitar from Carlos Alomar being, like, pretty crunchy. Yeah, and just kind of, like, filling in a bit of that backspace. So, because the main riff is that... Yeah, which it turns out either rules or I just really like it or both. Oh yeah, it's freaking definitely probably also a, um, but you know it's good stuff. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, David Bowie's vocals, which are like doing a lot of stuff. Yes, like 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 sonically. Like he starts in in this sort of like higher, I guess head like higher register kind of mm-hmm. breathy higher I register. From ground control. Yeah. Oh no! Don't say. Oh and no! Then, yeah, like, and then immediately know, jumps to this lower. Like does the David Bowie stuff? Theater influence here, pretty heavy. Like it's it's a fucking great song. It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sometimes I'm at a loss for words. Yeah, very impressive. I did. I did see someone just a random quote, just like a random internet commenter say, like describe David Bowie as someone who like mastered his instrument of vocals and then just kind of ran with that for like the next couple decades. Yeah, but he does and, good. He does and good. He also with the plays voice other instruments. He also plays other instruments. He is credited with keyboards on this. Yeah. Um, and I don't know exactly what that means. I'm not sure because there is in the the verse sections are pretty minimal. You get that what's either a keyboard or the piano, which there's also a credit for. Um, doing that like laying down the rhythm, which is oh yes, yeah, 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 that's probably what he's playing. Yeah, probably worth noting here while I'm talking about the piano, Roy Bitten or Roy Batan. Uh, yes. At the same time he was recording this album was recording The River with Bruce Springsteen. 
in the same cool. studio. Oh, right. That's the, that's the professor. He's the professor? No, I think so. No, did I get that mixed up again? Yeah. Yeah, he's the professor. Hell yeah. But that's also a nickname of um, Neil Peart. Okay. From Rush. Um, obviously a different person. <laughs> different person, different instrument, different band. But yeah, that's, that's right. the, the professor from the E Street Band. Uh, Roy Bitten. Bitten. Yeah, Roy Bitten. It's probably not that one. Probably um, not that one. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, what else happens in this? Um, there, yeah, like you said, small change. So, well, small change, not many different things changing anyway. Like in the pre-chorus, mm-hmm. um, which we didn't really call it a pre-chorus when we were talking about the lyrics because it's not noted that way in Genius. But yeah, this is... When it's coming into the, uh, where is it, section? I'd say it starts of the shrieking of nothing, yeah. Because yeah, the music changes quite a bit. Um, but like I said, it doesn't actually change that much. It's really just these big string synths coming in. Yeah. I assume they're using the harmonizer, just like for later. I, I don't sense. know. I don't know. But there's and a lot then, of yeah, string, so string stuff. Like that comes in and it And the makes keyboard changes like its chords up. a bit too. Yeah, it changes chords, but it's the same little rhythm yeah. progression going. And that's where David Bowie's like whispery background lines come in. Yeah. Which he does in the second pre-chorus as well, but he's actually just repeating the lines. Yeah. So, so here he yeah. mostly repeats the lines until the end of No Hair, in which he throws in No Everlasting Aesthetic. Yeah. Songs that please the ear can blow the mind. Is he just repeating lines before that? Okay. Yes. That's what I was listening to, and I was like, he's saying two things at once, I can't tell. No, that stuff is actually the same, I'm pretty okay. sure. Alright. I thought there was just more stuff you said. No. Um Excuse me. And then yeah, we get our chorus. Actually, the chorus is most mostly the instruments just kind of mellow out a bit in the chorus. Yeah. Cause it's really just his vocals. Um Yeah. Uh, except for that in the last line. Or in the second last two lines, the the drums change. Yeah, they start to pick up bit. as we go yeah. to uh like a we break to the intro basically to that main riff. Boo-doo-doo. And uh okay, there's one thing. So this is until the verse, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it happens in the both verses. There's like a very small piano part. It plays like a note. Mm. And it happens in both verses. Slightly different, but it just does a little like rolled chord, I guess. Okay. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? It's at like 36 seconds is the first one. Okay, let me take a look here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then it happens very similar, but not quite the same in the second verse. I don't know. I just I just like that. It just sounds like the second time there's like a water drop that plays with it. That's yeah, like 219 is, like, is the time. Like closer to one. sound design than it is like to music. It's like we're adding in an effect. Yeah. Just very like echoey or or like filtered out and echoey. Yeah. Um, and then that so instrumental cool break between the uh the Oh yeah, I'm jumping ahead a bit. Yeah, no worries. It's a small thing. There's like a little like weird noises go on, like some dude making weird noises. Is that just David Bowie or is that later? I think it's oh, probably yeah. him. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I got that. Yeah, he just was like, like, just like making sounds. Yeah, I thought it was some, David Bowie. It might. I must be right. He's the guy who sung the rest of it. So. Yeah, he's just doing weird noises. Yeah, and oh, that riff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
But yeah, second verse uh, mostly the same as the first. Yeah, like, um, like you the said, organ, we hit a which is pattern. the keyboard I was talking about, mm-hmm. much louder in the second one. Yes, which I think is David Bowie is playing that. Uh, not sure though. Would make sense. I would believe it. Um, yeah, and then the rest of it, uh, it's very similar. You know. Yeah, it's pretty steady. Um, um, it brings they bring in this hi hat rhythm at the end of the second chorus that that plays in the outro. Right. Um, and then there's another low synth that comes in in that outro just for a little bit. And then it's just mm-hmm. really playing that groove. And then they kind of say that, I'm on the sun, we get things done. <laughs> yeah, and we fade out on that outro section. Yes. Um, yeah. And of course, the, the vocals are, I believe, doubled at that point. Because you gotta for the end. You, you gotta. And you, yeah, you get let the synths kind of go wild here. We don't, like a lot of different stuff happening there. It's a great outro. Right. Yeah. You get your, your backgrounds. It, it is, it is. I mean, that's it. We're, we're really into this. Um, and of course, like we already mentioned David Bowie's vocals, but yeah, he's doing all kinds of stuff. Very expressive. Very expressive. Um, what a killer track. Yeah. And, and like, Honestly, like absurdly simple. Like obviously, there's a lot of production work that goes into it, but what's actually played is like surprising. not as much as I was expecting. It sounds yeah. like more than it is, mm-hmm. possibly because it just they layer things. But it does. Yeah. It does, it's pretty dense. It is pretty dense. Um. Also dense is this music video directed by David Mallet and Bowie, which at the time was the most expensive music video ever made, and is still like up there. Yeah, so it cost $581,000 at the time, which brought to today money is $1.8 million. Where did the money even come from? Dog, I don't know. <laughs> like David Mallet maybe put a lot forward? He was doing a lot of music videos in the 80s. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I don't know, man. Anyway, um, cameo in this video from The Blitz Kids, ah. uh, which include... Steve Strange, who we talked That's about right. a little while ago. Yeah, his band. Two uh, weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks Visage ago. Visage or Visage. Visage. Yeah, that's right. Um. Yeah, one of the new romantics. Yes, this was a big video for like the new romantic movement, right down to Bowie's Pierrot costume, which is the clown costume. Yeah, which is this kind of costume with his pointy hat. Um, who is a stock pantomime character and, as I understand, is a bit of a gullible fool. Yeah. That's kind of all I know about him. That's kind of all I know. I'm, for me, it seemed to me that maybe the the purpose of it... Well, yeah, I guess him being a fool and also him being... Uh, like, Bowie himself having done some miming, including opening for T-Rex as a mime once upon a time. True. He does have a background in my... In that stuff. In, in and he's showing that. So it's like a background of him, but also it's like this stock character that can kind of be used in anything. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if it's a, a comment on that idea of unoriginality. Oh, maybe. Or, or something. I, I don't know if that's actually a problem. It, it's weird to me to think about the idea of a stock character. Of like a character that just everyone uses and everyone in theory, or mostly everyone, knows what it means when that character shows up, and it can just be in anything, and it doesn't matter. I, we're just so obsessed these days, I guess, with, like, with continuity. Yeah. 
and yeah, and intellectual property that the idea of just oh, this character everyone uses him because it's useful and like ever right because he's like in a way for this yeah he's a stand-in yeah. But in a way, that's kind of, we do that anyway. We just, you know, you need to put a different design and a different name on it. But, like, you can mm-hmm. still use an archetype. So yes. I guess it's just kind of like that. It's just uh, a shortcut. Yeah, and he's just, like, a, a more branded, I guess, archetype. Like, he has a specific name, and you can just plant him wherever you please. Yeah. So, and, and perhaps also he's um, painting himself as a, perhaps a bit of a gullible fool i don't know at the time he was like i know there was i don't remember the exact dates but like he had a manager that was taking a lot of money right Mm -hmm. so i don't know if he like knew about that yet but i think he might i think he must have i don't remember when that happened yeah i can't remember he broke away from that manager um anyway yes anyway the music video yeah just as a clown lots of things happen in this music video um, um, it's it's yes. very like solarized. Yes, in, in appearance, the, the footage is like yeah. saturated. Crispy. I guess saturated. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then at the he, beginning, he keeps like holding up pictures, and then it'll be like him, and then the picture will play for a bit, but the background will freeze, and then it'll go back. Yeah. Um. So I assume it was, you know early special effects you got your like green screen or whatever yeah like screen to screen action but i don't know how much of that would have been possible i guess this was post star wars yeah huh i don't know how you do these effects basically obviously there's Fair no enough. computers but i assume there's similar ideas and is that I, don't know. I wonder if there's something about pure, him clown bowie being like present bowie and then he shows you a picture of maybe inner Bowie or past Bowie, who is the the one in the picture frame there, who kind of looks like younger David Bowie, quote unquote. Certainly like a little more straightforward. More straightforward. <laughs> and then that Bowie shows you a picture that is a padded room Bowie. Oh, that's so true. I wonder if this is the onion of David Bowie peering back the outer layer, where he is, uh, quote, some cunt in a clown suit. And then, <laughs> do you read that story about the music video? No, I didn't. Uh, apparently, I, I don't know if I read this in a comment on on YouTube, but there was a dude like walking his dog or something on the beach, and then they're like, "Hey, man, can you get out of here?" He's like, "No, nah, I'm walking my dog." And they're like, "What? Do you know who that is?" He's like, "Yeah, of course I know who that is. It's some cunt in a clown suit." <laughs> uh. I hope that story's true. I'm not just making yeah, shit this up. Is but. Quite a, I mean, there's the old lady at the end. We'll talk about the old lady. Yeah, we'll talk about um, the old lady. Uh, what else happened? The Blitz kids come in. They do a little bit of singing. Um, oh, no, I'm happy. I hope you're happy. Do Two some lines. more like moving inwards. If that is in fact what's happening, we see David mm-hmm. Bowie in a padded cell. Uh, yeah, no we spend a lot of time though. with him in the cell. Yeah, and then the bulldozer. Yes, which is apparently supposed to signify oncoming violence. Yeah, and they're just kind of like slowly walking away from it, and it's slowly following them. Yeah, and so they're doing, the two on the outside are doing this big exaggerated bow movement, which is apparently just to grab their gowns and keep it from getting caught in the bulldozer. Which is definitely a good idea. Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of funny. That's pretty funny. (laughs) I got some wacky costumes on. Um, And then it kind of turns into a photo shoot. 
with David yeah. Bowie in his clown suit. It's just like a guy who looks like an old timey, like private investigator. Mm-hmm. Just taking photos of him on the beach, and he's posing I, and stuff. Yeah, and then he it causes him pain. He like grabs his arm. Oh, is that what that is? I I think that was my interpretation of it. Because it's quite a, a quick flash there. It is, yeah. And then we get Bowie sitting in the cell again. I noted his boots are green. Yeah. Which, uh, they're not wheels, but... Are hey, they boots or, like, socks? Socks, maybe. Um, hard to say. I don't know if that's important. They look kind of shiny in that shot, They do look kind of shiny. They look like thin boots. I yeah. Socks with soles. Uh, mm-hmm. It also shows him in a kitchen. It's like black and white, and he's in this like domestic kitchen. Yeah, 1950s in like what looks like one of those hairdresser chairs. Yeah, but also might be like an electric chair because there's some zappy effects. Oh yeah, and then soon the shit starts blowing like, up. He's wearing a popping. little weird kind of spaceman suit. Yeah, so I don't know, man. I don't know. It's a lot of imagery. It's a very fun video. We got him clown Bowie, very clearly not in water, but <laughs> like in water. Right. It's just compositing. Comp. He's just composited into the water. Mm-hmm. With his like hands up, like he's doing mime stuff. Yeah. But also, like he's trying and to keep them out of the water. There's the shot of him, like, like chained up, like in some. Yeah, kind of like weird... in a cave. And there's a bunch of tubes. There's a bunch of tubes. Don't know what that's about. I haven't the slightest, man, but it looks pretty sci-fi. It does look pretty sci-fi. He just kind of like looks up at the camera, and then it's never shown again. No. Uh, and there's some more shots of the bulldozer and him in the in the cell and him looking yeah, at the, the, the camera. Releasing a bird at the beach. That's true. Um, there's a bird. A lot of just shots of him. And then he's yeah, walking kind of... with an old lady. Yeah, this old lady's like, I guess, lecturing him. There's a story there, I think. I forget what it is, though. Well, like it's it not just, his actual mother, which yeah. some people believe. Wasn't it like just some old lady at the beach? Yeah. Am I remembering that wrong? I, th- I think you might be right. I don't I know. Maybe. I should have looked it up. Yeah. Oh, well. That's the video. What does it mean? Uh... Um. What does it mean? What does it mean? It means there's oncoming violence. I know that much for this sure. There's oncoming violence and perhaps something about what we said before about the stock character. Well, yeah, I think, it, characters I think it really close. just relates loosely, maybe in broader strokes, to what we talked about in the song itself. Because we get pictures of different Bowies. Gotta be, right? Um, of course, yeah. I'm, him being a clown. Being a clown is a persona in and of itself, right? So yeah. we're looking at these different layers. We get this sort of like isolated man in a room there, which is, I think, a pretty strong image. I think it's probably pretty close to what he was feeling at the time and also what's brought up in this song a man isolated in a room like true he is isolated in most of them he's like on a sitting on a rock by himself mm-hmm. or in the middle of that kitchen no one's paying attention to him yeah he's, he's like kind of strapped in that kitchen um, or stuck or in a cave with tubes coming out yeah, of him stuck in the tube cave and and the only time we see him with other people is when he's narrowly avoiding the danger of being bulldozed <laughs> By walking slowly in front of it. Yeah. Although the the slowly walking away from imminent danger is, I think, an interesting image. The idea of like he very easily could get out of there faster, you know? Yeah, or you know, move to the left or but right. But it's not. So I think that's that's a fairly evocative image. Mm-hmm. 
for what it's worth. It's also something that the action man would do. <laughs> the action man would definitely jump out of the way. If someone um, threw him, but that is the... Yeah, that's the, that's the music video. That's the music video? That's the song? We gotta get moving along here. We do. It's, it's time for some covers. We need to cook. Or we're cooking. We're gonna talk about the Unquiet Void in 2000. Unquiet Void, which is just just one guy. Just one guy. Um, apparently, he likes uh, to make ambient soundscapes. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of those. This is one of or those. Um, is one of those. And then, do you think that's why the the vocals are mixed so quietly? Is we're supposed to focus more on the soundscape than the actual lyrics? Maybe. Because there's um, a lot of times that the instruments threaten to swallow the the vocals whole. Yeah, they are very quiet um, and pretty heavily distorted, or maybe mm-hmm. just like really low quality, which I guess is kind of the same. So I think yeah, it's like they're nothing's really supposed to like cut. Over anything, I think. It's supposed to stay fairly ambient. So right. they keep the vocals pretty quiet. Yeah, so this one is even more consistent in its instruments than the original. Yeah. Um, the album it's off of is called Goth Oddity. Goth so it's, Oddity. It's goth, I guess. It's goth, it's dark, it's ambient. Yeah, it's dark, it's, it's all that. It does that. Uh, slowed way down. And it's very noisy. Lots of, like, synthesizers. Yeah. And there's even like some thunder sound effects at one point. That's right. Um, made me think of like industrial a little bit. Mostly yeah. because it kind of evokes the like harsh metal and glass sound. Yeah. And it's synthesizers. Like the, the main riff is on a really glassy synth, I would say. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. And Off then that. later on, there's like this really plodding bass synth. And it kind of has that sound of, like, hitting the ends of pipes, but they're, like, big, deep pipes. Right. Yeah, that's a, a good analysis. Yeah. And you also get that, uh, it comes in right in with that glass synth, but that, uh, that rhythm line, I don't know if it is a bass. Is that the one you're talking about that sounds like pipes? That bump, 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 bump. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. There is an industrial undercurrent in this with some sort of more, I guess, quote, goth in the sense of, like symphony-esque you get the big string swells the yeah he does as far as i can tell he doesn't call himself goth no it just seems to be this album this in its collection it's been collected onto this so he definitely has some darker imagery i'm looking at his website yeah he calls his man himself a one-man electronic orchestra so we do get some string elements that are sort of on top of this industrial underpinning yeah there's a really low string synth too yeah and and of course, I mean it's it's an ambient soundscape, right? You got to have mm-hmm. rising string synths; they go hand in hand. Yeah, it's <laughs> it comes with it's the essential. package. It's built in. So yeah, that's kind of what it it does. You know, he sings the song. Um, what I think is interesting, comparing it to the original, is that the original has a lot of. We talked about it being very dense, and it has a lot of like layered vocals in it. And this one really doesn't do any vocal layering. No. Really pulls back the vocal focus and, and just creates the soundscape. Yeah, and I think it is a cool soundscape. 
definitely one you can kind of get lost in. It has, it's so slow, you can just kind of like nod along to it. Mm-hmm. And in terms of somebody who's maybe, you know, lost in a, in, you know, struggling with drug addiction or, yeah, in or, space. Or drug addiction or whatever. Or both. Space like, is a drug addiction. It gives you that sort of, <sighs> that isolated feeling, that, that feeling where you do look inwards rather than outwards because you're just like, you're in a state. You're in a There's state nothing of else. Mind. There's nothing around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all darkness. A void, if you will. A void, yeah. It, it does It does key in on those elements of uh, of nothingness and that that are present in the original. Yeah. What's the... It's a Manfred Mann's Earth Band album, <laughs> The Roaring Silence. Just reminds me of that. Yeah. The name. Only because... Only the name. And I only know the album because it has Blinded by the Light on it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's that version. That's that version. It's kind of slow, us... plotting, dark thing. Yeah. There's a lot of ambient sounds. So we lose out on the, the sort of, like, well-crafted dynamics of the original, but I think in terms of its one note it hits, it's pretty well. Yeah. Um, which takes us to Northern Kings in 2007. Northern Kings, a Finnish symphonic power metal super group, super group. Uh, that only plays covers. Yeah. Um, what struck me about this is when I hear power metal, I think a lot faster. Mm, I read symphonic metal for these guys. I read symphonic power metal. Oh, maybe I, I missed the power where. metal part. It's in there. Symphonic power metal in there. Spotify description. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, That's probably their most apt description. Uh, let's let's list off these. Uh, they are a super group. So if you're a symphonic, yeah, I didn't metal look fan, up the guys. I didn't know who they. So were. we've got, and I'm gonna butcher these names. I'm so sorry. We got Jarko Ahola from the band Tras Betoni, and uh, and maybe Extreme Tail might be another group he's from. We got Marco Haitala from Nightwish and Taro, Tony Kako from Sonata. Arctica, Arctica, Sonata Arctica, and Yuha Pekka Lepoluto from Sharon and Hermaja. And on Wikipedia, everyone is credited as doing vocals, no other instruments. There's gotta be. Are they all vocalists? I think they do all sing. They got a, a, also. I see. There's a picture of this guy with a guitar. Okay. And they obviously also play instruments. There's yeah. instruments in this. They're not. It's like an yeah, acapella. we just get a bunch of other people to do the instruments. We just all sing. But yeah, they all are pictures of them singing. Huh. Anyway, interesting. Um, and I thought this version was interesting too because it's also like fairly slow and sludgy feeling, mm-hmm. which I don't associate with anything that has power in the title, particularly not power metal. It might just be that I don't know metal genres very well, which is true. Yeah, maybe uh, power is more about the how heavy they're hitting. The oomph and sound the, as the opposed speed. to the speed. Is, yeah, I guess that's maybe that's sound. speed metal. You're thinking uh, speed metal if you like, you want metal that's um, speedy. But yes, I, I generally would think faster. But this stays pretty slow throughout. But you can definitely get like a slow head bang on. Yeah. Oh <laughs> it yeah. It definitely has like it's it's heavy enough for that. But yeah, there is an emphasis on like big punching like the drums are hitting a lot of like heavy notes oh yeah 
Oh, yeah, lots of big guitar and drums. Yeah, you get that intro guitar, which is fairly high, but then it's backed by that big sludgy... (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And the the symphonic parts. Yeah. They don't come in right away. I was kind of... I was a little surprised when they came in at first, not knowing the band's, you know, background. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're there. Like, I think there's a, a marimba featured fairly prominently and then yeah. you get some like strings and and i think even some horns not a ton of horns but not a ton like, but they strings. come in at like the end of one verse for like a yeah note. like transition into the chorus basically or yeah in i think yeah just for a little bit um mm-hmm. and the intro is pretty long yeah it is but yeah, it's like it's it's undeniably metal. It has that really heavy feeling, and then uh, they're like vocals, which are you know what I'm assuming is a Finnish accent. Yeah, uh, he sounds there's... like that other Finnish guy we've talked about before. Yeah, I forget Pelike. Pelike. Yeah, um, similar sound to that, but they also seem to be they also seem to trade off in sections. So there's a bunch of them because they're all like metal vocalists, right? Mm-hmm. So they're all singing. And also, it really adds some, like, oomph to the backup vocals because they're all, like, lead singers. Yeah. And so, yeah, they, you get the rest of them singing those backing vocals. It's pretty strong stuff. And they're adding a little bit of that sort of, like, downward presence that's present in the original. You know, he sings the first part art, then goes down. They get mm-hmm. that down roll to the backing vocals. Yeah. Um, one of the funny ones they do, though, is <laughs> I ain't got no money and I ain't got no hair. <laughs> And then they go, who cut my hair in the background? Right, they have a couple lines like that. Where yeah, I thought that was like, funny. Yeah. Uh, what else? What else happens in this? There's a moment after the I never did anything out of the blue line. Mm-hmm. Where you get, like, the the strings do or the orchestra does a big flourish. And it almost seems like the song will completely change for, like, half a second. And then yeah. it just goes back to normal but it's that's always fun i don't know mm-hmm. fake outs um i actually i i enjoyed this more than i was expecting to yeah a lot of times we'll talk about like a metal group or even a metal cover and it just kind of says like we'll do some big beats it's a distorted guitar there you go it's metal now yep. you're welcome metal, metal but these ones and maybe it's because maybe symphonic metal has a bit of that drama in it a bit of that like sort of shared theater background but yeah, that definitely seems to be present, just looking at, like, their outfits on the cover. Mm-hmm. They're, like, black tailcoats? But they're, like, kind of gray? Yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. But, yeah, they really put some, like, and, like, even into the lyrics, there's a little bit of pain in there. Like, it's, it's sung theatrically, like, quite big, right. but it's also, you get the idea, uh, and of course, with the metal instrumentation, that it is a bit dark, this song, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely present. Um, my one problem was last night, I couldn't listen to it for too long on the headphones. It was like, it's a bit much for my ears. It's, yeah, it's so- quite soft, big. sensitive ears. And we're going to talk about another version later that is big as well. And I guess maybe what this one does right that that one doesn't is this one carries some of the heaviness of the lyrics with it in its music. Maybe we'll have to, we'll, we'll have to cross that bridge when we there. get there. Um, and of course, it builds up really big at the end, and then uh, drops out pretty quickly on the fade. 
Yeah, big drums though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, huge build. Yeah, that but, symphonic yeah. hit after the out of the blue line is almost like the build up in loving the alien. Like that's how out of place it is. <laughs> True, and then it just goes away. It just goes mm-hmm. away. Yeah. And yeah, their their uh, refrain outro with everybody group singing it. You got four main vocalists on, like you already said. Yeah, that's good shit. Pretty cool harmonies. Lots yeah. of metal. Lots of metal. A lot of good stuff there. Mm-hmm. Truly a super group. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about Momus in two thousand eight. Let's talk about Momus. Uh, Momus, a Greek personification of satire and mockery. That's right. Possibly a life. god as well. Brought to life in this Scottish songwriter, author, blogger, and former Wired journalist. Yeah, this guy. Um, this one, more of like a bright electronic thing going on. Yeah. Compared to The Unquiet Void, anyway. Yeah, bright and with, a, with an emphasis on, on stripping down to just about nothing. Yes, very synthy synths. Yeah. Like, like very electronic sound. Thing. Yeah, very like 80s, this is the future of music synths. Yeah. Uh, but this is 2015. It's not the 80s at all. I think it's 2008, actually, isn't oh, it? I might have the year wrong. The one I grabbed was from Secondhand Songs, so I might have grabbed a version that is later. Um, that Actually, okay, Secondhand Songs, there's two. There's Momus and Germlin, and there's just Momus. Okay, what's the I just Momus one at? I think this is that's 2015. Well, okay, then we're going to not talk about Momus yet, because we got to talk about the Yellow Melodies first. Because I'm a right. stickler for chronology. The Yellow Melodies in 2013. The a yellow pop band from Mercia. Is that how you say it? Mercia? Or is it Mercia? Spain. I don't know. We're from Spain. I don't know, actually. I haven't questioned it. I was just at Mercia and went on with my day. I'm here to ask the questions, Alex. <laughs> uh, yes, Spanish indie pop group. Um, oh, maybe Sunshine Pop? Ooh, what's Sunshine it... Pop? Well, that's what no this idea. is now. But that was... Something, they got some psychedelic influences. I couldn't go to their website, because I went to the... My, I tried to go to their website, and my browser was like, bro, this is dangerous. <laughs> you sure you want to go here? And I was like, I, I don't think so. I don't know that bad. <laughs> Yeah, um, so the Yellow Melodies, uh, apparently they have a song in a trailer for Sin mm-hmm. City 2. That's right. I, don't, I forget I what it was called as well, but I did see though. that. I am at yellowmelodies.com. What the f- what have I done? Um, this one is a real, real cover. It's a real, like, we love the song kind of cover, because I'm going to say overall, very upbeat. Yes. Very upbeat and very, it's now rock and yes. roll. We get the organ intro, which is big, uh, and then yeah. it's uh, like a hard right into just kind of a classic rock rhythm with some some organ fill in the back. Yeah. That's like pretty much what they that do in this song. Really the the yeah. other thing they do do, though, is in their interlude after like between yeah. the chorus and the second verse, which is mm-hmm. they play a clip, which seems to be yeah. from Twin Peaks. It's David Bowie and um, Twin Peaks. I had to Google it. Yeah, so it's actually David. So it's like an accent. That it doesn't no, sound like David like Bowie, it's but it's David Bowie doing a southern voice. voice. Now we're not going to talk about Judy. Yeah, we're not going to talk about Judy. 
I was oh, so blown man. away when I opened the clip up. <laughs> like, I was like, what is this going to be? I was like, okay, it's Twin yeah. Peaks. And there's David Bowie. I was like, no way. <laughs> yeah, I, I must, I've, I've never, never seen, seen Twin Peaks. I've never so. heard David Bowie do any other accent in my life. <laughs> yeah, he's done kind of... I see, he had to do an American accent for um, Not really, because like, I just watched The Man Who Fell to Earth last weekend, and that's he does a British one. And he's just being yeah. British the whole time. Doesn't I guess I saw an interview with him where he's talking about how he was good at accents, but he did like a oh, northern so like accent. doing like European or like UK accents. He, yeah, he was just like imitating his band members, and he said like "pass me the bush," <laughs> except you know better. No, I'm pretty um, sure you got him beat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. Move over, David Bowie. He's a new accent master, master in town. town. Yeah, so that's all one of the big things is they add um, in yeah. his clips from Twin Peaks. So again, this is like a real like we love David Bowie, we love this song vibe. Here's a version that maybe doesn't take the lyrics into consideration, but does take into consideration that the song is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's not super dark. It it mostly just has that kind of like lo fi indie. Yeah, truly thing like going psych on. indie pop is yeah, and very like simplified. And then there's that's the right, baby. But I found the, the outro on this to be baby. really good. Yeah, it was cool, and that's why it's so long, despite how mm-hmm. fast they're playing. Um, is is there's a guitar solo and then a flute part, and then they just do more like my mother said to get yeah, things done. Yeah, and they do a trick that we're gonna see come up quite a few times: the strip down to just vocals at the end. Where you then you get this my yeah, mother said classic. to get things done. You better not mess with Major Tom. You go, wow, damn, that was pretty. That says, Ma- that's Mayor right. It sounds Tom. like Mayor Tom. Because <laughs> he's, he's because Spanish. Spanish. So that rocks. <laughs> um yeah, I think yeah. the outro on this is pretty killer. I'd say the start's pretty cool too. And I like the Twin Peaks sample. Everything in the middle though is just kind of just pretty straightforward rock and roll. Yeah, very straightforward in the in the actual mm-hmm. like singy bits, but decent rock and roll thing yeah, going it's not on bad generally. At all. Um, but compared to the original, that sounds like this is ashes to ashes. Like it doesn't yeah. sound like anything else. Yeah, you could to kind me, of anyway. slot in different songs here, and it wouldn't seem out of place, right? And that's yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. We're talking about covering a David Bowie song and, and a, a massive one. Like it's. <laughs> It's hard to mm-hmm. to get on par with that, but uh, let's see if our next act can do it. Momus in 2015. Momus. Where is that? You found it. Now, Alex, who is Momus? This is is the name, anyway. Comes from a Greek personification of satire and mockery. No, that's not this guy, though. He's not. He's not the the Greek man. No, this is. He is not a a Greek stock character, Um, and or possibly God. It was unclear to me. Uh, He's actually a Scottish singer. Oh no way! Um, Is he also an author, blogger, and former Wired Wired journalist? He, I mean, he might be all those things. He's wearing an eye patch in his wiki photo. I wouldn't tell that. him he couldn't be those things. Oh, why would you? Um, because you know, I'll let him. Li- I'll let. I'll let Momus live his life. I forget his actual name though. It's Momus. 
It's Nicholas. I mean, Eyepatch guy. Mr. Eyepatch. Mr. Eyepatch. Yeah, he's Mr. Eyepatch. So yeah, this one is like a stripped down uh, synth version. Stripped down yeah. electronic version, maybe. So because like pretty we, stripped down. Like we mentioned when we started talking about it, it's that real '80s synth <laughs> noise on there. Yeah, yeah, very synthy synth, very electronic sounding. We're not trying to sound like another instrument. We're trying to sound like synthesizer. Mm-hmm. Um, and pretty bright on the synths too. There's lots of those fun harmonics. Yeah, um, that make it sound bright. Um. And then the, like, drum machine. Pretty simple. Yeah, it sounds like a stock. Like, if I pulled out my Yamaha yeah. keyboard right now, I could just probably go. find this beat. Yeah. Um, so, I, and there's also a bass synth kind of approximating and simplifying the original bass line. Yeah. I wouldn't really call it funky. No. But it's it's there. It's just kind of like doing, like, a boom, 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 boom. Yeah, it's like if you break the original bass line down to just the boom, necessary boom, notes. Boom, 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 boom. To, like, convey yeah. motion. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's also another... While we're talking about sounds, mm-hmm. there's another synthesizer. There's, it's like this bouncy synth. Mm-hmm. It kind of... It's like lower, very slow and heavy. It kind of sounds like a plucked string. Um, and it mostly just kind of like plays an interval. Yeah, yeah, But if yeah. you go to like... 20 seconds, it's kind of like... Oh yeah, twenty seconds, two twenty. Yeah, it hits two notes, does your interval, and is like, yeah. Thank you. Have a great day, everyone. To me, yeah, it sounds like a vibrating string, but like it's vibrating slow. Mm-hmm. But it's not not in a low frequency way. I don't know how to describe that better than that. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. It's a yeah. It's a synth. Is how I would describe it. It's a synth. The sizer, definitely for yeah. sure. Um, one of the big things he does in this is he kind of talks things the vocals very quietly. Yeah, very soft. And then doubles it with a vocoder. Yeah, there's kind of like that vocal synth following his... It's like doing the same melody. Yeah, and it gives like a little robot edge to his voice. It does. It sounds... It sounds kind of weird. Because it, at times, like, it just sounds like a different instrument, but it's like having a backup singer, but it's, like, really mumbling, just being like... Like, it's, like, vaguely outlining the words, Mm -hmm. but definitely outlining the melody. It's kind of a cool sound. There's cool sounds in this one. Yeah, and of course, it's so sparse that you get the time to appreciate every little noise that comes in. True. Yeah. Not nearly as as dense as some of the other versions. No. All of them so far, I think. Yeah, it almost got me craving a like a shoo shoo cover of this, you know? I'm staying clean tonight with the little green wheels. Yeah. Exactly like that. I, I almost think that would make, <laughs> make this a little more interesting. Not to say this one's all that bad, but just got me thinking. Yeah. I guess so. Um, so a lot of it's pretty steady throughout this. We've kind of established what goes on. Should we talk about the refrain here, Alex? Let's talk about the refrain. Tell me what you want to say about the refrain. So the refrain. He starts out, he says, you better not mess with Major Tom. But then we, uh, we generalize it. You better not mess with opium. You better not mess with heroin. And right. then the final line is, don't take the needle and stick it in. Oh, I missed the very final line. 
Well, there it is but for yeah, Alex. He says, you better not mess with opium and also heroin. So yeah, it's just very, very explicitly talking about drugs. Now, which I thought was kind of interesting because the rest of the song feels a bit sluggish. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I heard opium, I was like, oh, yeah. I associate that with sluggishness as well. Ah, so you think he's trying to make this specifically about heroin usage, and this is from the mind or space or vibe of a heroin user. Yeah, potentially. Okay. I don't see why not. I suppose. Yeah, because I thought it was like, ugh, I, I like your interpretation. It just felt a little weird or off. To Yeah, I don't think it's like an amazing thing. It kind of associates with that, but then... To go, like, so explicit about it. Because mm-hmm. the reason that lyric works is that it is strange. You better not mess with Major Tom. What? Like, it's almost nonsense. It carries that nursery rhyme vibe to it. But then when you just put in heroin or opium or, or what have you, it's like, yeah, okay. Sure. That's <laughs> that's probably what it's about. You got it, Momus. Points for you. Yeah. You're, you're very clever. You're very you're clever. You're very smart. It just it didn't it didn't land with me correctly. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's great. I mean, you could still have that sluggish feeling without the explicit opium. Yeah, mention. Um, and it raises sort of, I guess, the other issue here, which is that this is a tough song to cover from a like a lyrical standpoint because it is so very much about. David Bowie and his own personal struggles at this time in, you know, 1979-1980. We once talked about uh, songs from the Big Chair, and one of the songs on that mm-hmm. album was, like, deeply personal-sounding lyrics, so to the point where any cover is just sort of devoid of meaning, because it is so closely related, I believe, is the song from Songs from the Big Chair. Right. It's also kind of why I think a lot of I don't know if this is true. I feel like... Oh, no, I'm, I'm not going to get into that. That's, that's too much. That's too much. Too much topic. Are you just Sorry. saying all covers Forget are bad? Forget I said it. <laughs> hmm? Or you're just like, oh, that's why I believe that all covers are bad. Cause yeah, all covers are bad, actually. Uh, that's what I think. No, I just... I just, I don't want to like start a whole huge topic. Sure. Fair. Um, but I will now be forever curious about that. But the flip side of that argument, I'm going to argue against myself here just briefly, because we got a, sure. we got a yeah. schedule to it here. Devil's too. advocate this. Devil's advocate this. Uh, David Bowie is universal. Every, like People of all you know walks of life love this man, love his lyrics. They resonate with a lot of people. And you know everybody thinks they're the biggest Bowie fan in the world. We got the, everybody seems but they're like, all wrong, because it's me. Well, it's me, actually, Alex, but it's... <laughs> But you're mostly I agree to right. disagree. Okay, all right, all right, all right. But so I think in that sense, and Bowie talked in a. I, I, I was bringing up. I'm bringing up again this William S. Burroughs interview he did. But he talked about how much he liked receiving letters from fans saying what they thought his songs were about. And he mm-hmm. even talked in some '90s interview I think while doing Outside, where he was like, you know, it's not about the author's intent. He's like, I think that that it's more about what the individual person gets from the art more than it is about any uh, you know standard definition of what the song is or intended to be. So in that sense, everybody has the license to sort of treat this song and his music however they wish. Yeah, make it mean whatever it means to them. But I don't know if I, I picked up on the meaning. or um, And I guess for Momus, I think maybe he just hit the, you know, it was two on the nose in that ending for me. But let's talk about a different group, unless you got more to say about Momus. I think we covered nope. it. Yeah. Icky Blossoms in also 2015. 
Electropop trio from Omaha, which is somewhere in Middle America. <laughs> Certainly, it is. Uh, yeah, Electropop trio. Like you said, did you say that? I did. I think you said that. Um, I drift in and out of conversations. That's okay. I think most people do. Um, this one, I think, highlights the strength of the opening riff because, mm. like, it throws that with a dance beat under it and it's just like it's fucking goes man yes i agree yeah so sounds so awesome in the start <laughs> it's, yeah it's so good honestly so you get like the quiet version of it we get a little like little rhythm set up and then the like far away main riff and then it picks up and we get it like the main riff up front the beat picks up a little we get some hand claps in the back it's good like it's yeah, do with yeah with the jumps. Oh man, yeah, instantly pulls you in. Me in anyway. Yeah, I think um, they do a great job of making this like an electro like pop dance song. Yeah, freaking I don't know. I wasn't expecting like often. I don't really appreciate the the dance versions, but but with those ones, like they'll do this, but they'll have their own riff. Like they. In this case, they had a riff to use already. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to come up with their own riff. So while it feels structurally like those dance versions, it's just following the structure of the original. Yeah. Like, they didn't even have to change that much. It just happened to fit well. Exactly. And and there's room for, like, rich texturing in the song, because that's already in the original. They just make it, like, electro dance style stuff. Yeah. And I... I didn't even write that many notes. I was just enjoying the song. I, yeah, I kind of just like zoned out for a bit and I was like, yeah, this is good. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I think they do an awesome job on the vocals, um, particularly with these yeah, electro Yeah, softer, like female vocals for the most part. Yeah, with a little bit of harmonization here and there to add a little flavor. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, emphasize lines, double it up. Mm-hmm. Change the vocal, change the lyrics a little bit too. Like, they don't say rumor from ground control, they say message, message from ground yeah. control, and then they can't say message from the action man, because they've already said message. I took a screenshot by accident. Uh, they got a letter from him. <laughs> they get a letter, which is like, from space? How? But, you know. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty cool, honestly. I would sometimes <laughs> complain about inaccuracies in lyrics like that, but given the just the weird nature of these lyrics, that makes it an extra step of weird. Yeah. I like that. So... They still do the Check backing vocals on yeah. the, the pre-chorus, but they're like crunchy electronic stuff. Um, the vocals <laughs> pan between your, your left and right speakers at a certain point. Yeah, like I said, I don't have a whole lot don't to say about to say. this. I, I just enjoyed it, and then I was like trying to write things about it, and I was having trouble because I was just yeah. kept listening to the And song. they do a very structured strip down at the end, where at the, um, yes. the Yellow Melodies, it's a little more like drop instruments, then it's vocals. This one's like drop this, then drop yeah. this, then drop this, then just vocals, then end. Also, is their band name a reference to two White Stripes songs? Um, It might be. Who knows? Uh, I don't really have a lot else to say about these guys. No, me neither. Let's move it along because we are running over. Let's talk about Trevor Horn's Seal and the Starm Orchestra in 2019. Ashes to ashes, funk to funky. We know 
Yes, Trevor Horn. Uh, so Trevor Horn, um, I mean, I first listened to this uh, and I was just like walking and my phone. So I was like, oh, this voice sounds really familiar. And I looked and I was like, Trevor Horn, never heard of him and kept going. But it's fucking Seal. Yeah, it's Seal. <laughs> it's just singing. a second name. Seal's singing this. So it's Seal's voice. Uh, we talked about Seal for Life on Mars. That's right. A year ago. Uh, and now he's singing this one. Uh, another connection, Trevor Horn. Mm-hmm. Is the other guy in the Buggles. That's right. <laughs> which we talked about last week. We talked about Jeff Downs. That's yeah, that's correct in that bad Alabama so, song cover. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so I guess Trevor Horn has been yeah. working with uh Seal for a long time. Supposedly. So he also As produced like a producer his and I guess bassist. Nineteen ninety four hit Kiss from a Rose. Yeah, he's a bassist, he's a song producer. Um, and I have no idea who the SARM Orchestra is. Um Oh, I saw... Hang on. Sarm. Sarm is like his studio. Okay, that makes sense. This and it's Or like a studio he works So he put it together. This is just a bunch of... It's supposed to be a 65-piece orchestra, according to Discogs, but that was like a one-line thing. So I don't know how true that is. Yeah, I don't hear 65 individual instruments in this, but maybe they didn't all come in that time. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe it wasn't all of them. So yeah, it's it's seal vocals. So this one's like orchestral pop, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Um, there's some cool sounds in there in the orchestra. Like there's this kind of harpsichordy sound, but it might also be a Celesta sound mm-hmm. that plays the intro riff. I think it's very cool. It's cool, like bouncy sound, like the hammers are bouncing. Yeah, kind of. I think yeah, sonically, um, it's it's beautiful and rich. Of course. Yeah. Um, I think Trevor Horn probably knows what he's doing. I mean, he made Video Killed the Radio Star. He did <laughs> make Video Killed the Radio Star. <laughs> but I think we just get so caught up in the, in, similar to the Yellow Melodies, we get caught up in the love of the song that we forget what the song's about. Like it's too joyous? It's too joyous, it's too big and boisterous, for my tastes. But I agree that it right. is, it's beautiful production, everything sounds crisp. Yeah, and I mean, it's Seal, Seal singing, he sounds singer. very like, he's got quite a voice. And I doing all these like flourishes feels very natural. And truly, this version wouldn't have made it to the list. I cut down a pretty big list, but there is the section between chorus and verse that caught my ear. Okay, which is where he uh, improvises that "so high I'm feeling low" or whatever part. So high on getting low, right? That like it's severely poppy that part. And I just uh, yeah, I think I know what you mean. He says like so high. So oh, see, high I I heard more. that. I heard so high. Oh yeah, you know, that's what I wrote. Mm. <laughs> I think it's but high I, on getting low. No, I think you're right. Yeah, because I hear low echoing. Hmm. Yeah. No, I think you got it. I just heard it wrong. Yeah, and just like kind of similar to the power metal one, there's big emphasis on big beats. So there's a lot of strength in this version. Yeah, I have. I could talk about more in cool things. Please go ahead. More. Just one more. Uh, so in the pre-chorus, the strings mm-hmm. in the mid-range get like super punchy. Mm-hmm. So if you go to like 108 or 248, that's when the pre-choruses happen. Really liking the strings there. Mm-hmm. They just really like bum bum ba ba ba. Yeah. Oh yeah. Anyway, good stuff. Good stuff. 
Yeah, they really do carry that uh, that sense of movement from the original, but of course they're using much more pieces to do it. Which is no shame in that. It's an orchestra. That's mm-hmm. the specific purpose. I it's. I think I don't know. I think coming into this, I I was like, okay, I'm gonna like this because it's Seal. And then I found out who Trevor Horn was. I was like, of course I'm gonna like this. Yeah. And then just thinking about the song and thinking about other versions, I was like, this one is good and great and big, but it doesn't speak to the song itself. Yeah, maybe. I I, fa- I found it hard not to get swept, swept up, up in, in the in the orchestra of it all. Well, yeah, I think that's fair. And even listening to it now, it is I'm a like, very big version. Like it, it is. It's producing Love dopamine in my head. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> like it sounds great. And who doesn't want to hear an orchestral version of David Bowie? Yeah, but with Seal singing, no, it's less. Seal singing. He he sang Life on Mars too. He's he's a British icon and clearly a David Bowie fan. And I like the little so high on getting low section. They also, the other thing they do in the outro, mm-hmm. sit, like they sing the Ashes to Ashes funk to funky line. Mm-hmm. And then they do it again. Yeah. But the second time they remove funk to funky. Does it matter? I don't think so. But it's kind of, I mean, it's just that anticipation thing. They mix it up a bit. You're like, oh, they're going to sing it. And then they don't sing it. Yeah. You think they're going to, and then they don't. Yeah, it's uh, they do. I think they do an extended chorus as well, don't they? Yeah, um, yeah. That's I think they. That's right. That's that exactly line. what you're talking about. I yeah. sometimes I forget <laughs> the pieces of the which one fits where. Fair man. Yeah. Pretty good version. And then ended with just Seal's voice. Just Seal's voice singing. He's singing. My mother said to get things done. Do not mess with me, Major Tom. All right, Alex, yeah. we got to get into our That's final categories. We though. do. We do. Let's talk three categories today. Final verdicts. verdicts, worst version, best version, song you're going to play at a funeral. <laughs> Deal okay. with it. Worst version, Alex, what is it? Worst version. Worst version. You know, uh, once again, I didn't really dislike any of them all that strongly. That's fair. You know? A lot of pretty solid and different feeling versions, but I think the one that I personally liked the least was probably the Unquiet Void. Uh, it was... just didn't do it for me as much as the other ones, you know? I'm not necessarily into that really, like, dark sound. Mm-hmm. Not all the time, anyway. Um, so that one just happened to be that this week. Yeah. Uh, the other ones were at least, like, amusing. I thought Northern Kings... Like metal thing was cool, sledgy metal. Yeah, I thought that was very cool. Um, and then, yeah, I guess we didn't talk about the moments music video, but it's not that. It's interesting. not that so interesting. It's, it's a bunch of like shots of people's faces and some yeah. like, highways and stuff. And he and lo- like, he's kind of yeah. made up to look like David Bowie a bit in the video. Yeah, um, moments had some cool sounds and it's like stripped downedness and. Yellow Melodies even had, as much as the verses and choruses weren't that interesting, some interesting stuff. Yeah, I suppose um, they're, because they, they would be my second, they'd be my runner-up for worst. I think I'm going to agree with you on the Unquiet Void. Yeah. But yeah, the Yellow Melodies has a good intro and outro that kind of save it and make it memorable. Plus hearing a dude say Mayor Tom's is, <laughs> <Yeah>. is good. <laughs> but yeah, I think the Unquiet Void kind of falls into like, background music since his focus is on like soundscape and ambiance yeah i didn't even really dislike it well i think it's i think this is actually a pretty good collection of covers this week yeah uh but yeah sorry worst goes to the unquiet void for best version alex what do you got for me 
best version. I did like a couple of them, but I think my best version was Icky Blossoms. I just like got caught up in it and like the danciness of it just rules. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it hits. Like I have yeah. to agree with you again. Like Icky Blossoms was the one where I was like, this is this is good music. <laughs> like, and, like we hardly said anything about it, but it was like because of that. Yeah, I, I found it hard to describe because I was just like in it. Yeah, beautiful. I thought it was awesome. Um, Alex, yeah. funeral song. Ashes funeral to song? ashes, dust to dust. Dust to dust. That's the funeral thing. Hmm. I think the one that would go over the best is probably the Trevor Horn and Seal version. Oh, yeah. You know, if you want to appeal to the audience, mm-hmm. which is obviously the first thing you want to think of at a funeral. That's right. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not is, for you, is really, it? is it? Yeah. Um, it's it's got to be that, I think. Solid pick, Alex. I'm going to go with Northern Kings. We get a little bit of that unsettling, that darkness. With a, Make some people passion wonder, behind like, it. Was he that into metal? I don't... <laughs> okay. Like, why are we playing the David Bowie version? I don't know. <laughs> I thought he was a David Bowie fan. Something he Did said on a podcast or something? two years ago. <laughs> yeah. Two years ago? Oh, no. <laughs> I like, I, I mean, you never said at, we play at our own funeral. That's true. It could be anybody's uh, <laughs> funeral. <laughs> but we both seem to have taken it that way. Yeah. Who's, I mean, who's going to put us in charge of music at somebody's funeral? Yeah. I'll say it now. You're in charge of music at my funeral should I pass away before you. Yeah. I can do that. That's legally binding. Yep. I'm off sound mind. Not writing, but it's been recorded. It's been recorded, yep. I can show this in court. It's a verbal agreement. Um, And we're also verbally agreeing that this is the end of the episode. Yeah, and the end of... And the end of Bowie Me. Yeah. Damn, another one done. Um, I'd love to sit and reflect on it, but we're, we're pushing our time already. So I'm going to go through the just the closing bracket here, everybody. Rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. Tell your friends about us. Get the word out there. We're having a lot of fun. This is our best year yet on Cover Me, I think. We're doing mostly tight episodes and some real good content, some real good covers as well. Come on, folks. What's not to love? I don't know why I'm selling to y'all. Y'all stuck around this long. Send us comments, questions, concerns. You can hit us up on Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise guy. Or you can email us at CoverMePod at gmail.com. Tell us about your thoughts on these cover versions. Tell us what songs you want us to cover in the future. We're coming up into Love or Me, and you know how much we struggle with picking love songs. So hit us up, people. It's always good to hear from you. <laughs> oh, we are. Too. That is the end of the episode. As we always say on Cover Me, my mama said to get things done, you better not mess with Cover Me.